I just realized that I reposted that link, but it's just to the YouTube trailer, not to the actual episode. <laughs> because that's what you posted. Didn't I have a link in the no. description? No. Good, good for me. I'm great. Okay. <laughs> we so are I set that up at like, so good at this. I set that up at like midnight. I know you did. You're so, fine. you know. Hello, welcome to Where the People Aren't. I'm Jesse, And I'm Allie. And today we are doing our very first quarantine episode recording. We are in separate homes. I miss you so much. I miss you too. We should today... be on the couch talking to each other. <laughs> today we're talking about the cat from outer space, or space cat. And we have a very special guest who insisted that we do this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Will, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Will. Longtime listeners in the show will know I exist. And I wanna set I wanna set the record straight. There have been slanderous lies <laughs> all right, leveled at me vis-a-vis this movie on this podcast. Okay. What slanderous lies? So let's go back to the recent past of like a year and a half ago when you guys were initially talking about this. How dare you? And bring you that had up. this list of all these all these Disney movies you want to talk about. And yep. Allie comes up to me and says, Hey, this is our movie you want to talk about. And I could have gone, you know, I'm a 90s kid, I could have gone the easy stuff, that. you could have done all the animated movies, the Disney Renaissance. But I'm trying to think, like, what's, what's like, a weird Disney movie that I just, I just know? You know, like, because they, they used to do live-action stuff like The Island on Top of the Earth or something. And I just remember this movie from when I was a kid that my sister had. And so I recommended it. And this has morphed into an insistence that we would do the movie for the podcast. So, dear listener, I've been dragged into this. Oh, you, we asked you if you want to do this, and you literally jumped at the chance to come record with us. <laughs> no, Laughed again. right into the opportunity. Dear listener, lies. His I crust did not punk want wants to. you to think that he's cooler right. than he is, but he's not. All right, should we go into some year facts? Let's do it. Picture it. Picturing. 1978. The biggest hit of the year was Andy Gibbs' catchy disco tune, Shadow Dancing. It's very easy to boogie to, and Will knew it when I pulled it up. Yeah. I, I have no idea what it is. I'm sure when I find it to put it into this podcast, I will recognize it. Do you know how I knew it? How? That, okay, because there was an early episode of South Park where Mr. Garrison gets a facelift, and I they put face on him that i can't remember who it is but as he's walking down the street that's a song that plays in the background was it andy gibbs face no it was um oh my god the guy from baywatch hasselhoff? david I think, hasselhoff? I think it was hasselhoff do not quote me on that ben and jerry opened their first ice cream parlor in burlington vermont i wrote make everyone happy yum yum happy forever uh, American Dream my, was one of my all-time favorites. Uh, fish food is my favorite fish food is, ice cream of all that, time. What was that Simpsons quote? <gasps> Bart, I found a marshmallow vein that goes all the way to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> the first recorded climbers to reach the top of Everest without supplemental oxygen make it to the summit are stupid. Why would you do that? So I have a question about that. Does that include all of the fucking Sherpas that lug all of these dummies shit up the mountain? Of course it doesn't. They're because native. You they know, don't count. You know they've been up and down that mountain more times than we can count without oxygen. You know that I'm like obsessed with Everest, right? How many people yes. have died on there? So many. Yeah, There's so weird. many dead bodies on Everest. It's there great. There is a 10% death rate. Only crazy, rich, stupid people would do that. That's You're absolutely right. Yeah, like... No, why would you do that? It's so dumb. Yeah, it's like you'll read about this, or like you'll listen to your murder podcast, and then like I'll come home and be like, "Yeah, I treated a guy with a herniated disc." He'll be like, "Oh, ew, ew, Gross. ew." It's too real Gross. life. I can't. It's like I can deal with. He, I, I, they, they opened the cellar door and they found thirteen feet, and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's this just guy, cool." This guy, had, can... this guy had scoliosis, and so when your your spine kind of it's you know, because no, I have an answer for this, so I can listen to stuff like, "Oh, this dude chopped up his victim and made him into a stew because they're dead." I can't do like torture shit when people are alive. A herniated disc is not torture. If you're dead, you're not feeling anything. If you have a herniated disc, you for sure are. Also, you're gross. I remember explaining to you what like what like stenosis was, and I could just see you like 
I don't remember what is that when you deglove somebody anyway or moving on from a year facts. What? Don't even don't even no, ask. Nope, just year facts. What's next? Picture of the year at the Academy Awards was Annie Hall. Fuck you, Woody Allen. You rape Fuck you, Woody Allen. Shit. I love that movie. Fuck you, Will. Fair. <laughs> Post-it notes. Make their national debut. Later made famous in Mean Girls. No, that was Toaster Strudels. Ah, oh, that joke's fucked up. I confuse Post-it notes and Toaster Strudels. As one does. <laughs> they need the people. Look, sometimes I may write down notes on my Toaster Strudels with the frosting. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that that's just how I am. Controversial opinion. Toaster strudels are better than Pop-Tarts. Agreed. How is that controversial? They're fluffy. So good. They got the flaky and they got the icing that you put on. Mm. But Pop-Tarts are just easier. Yeah. So, like, Pop-Tarts win on convenience. Toaster strudels win on taste and goodness. I haven't had toaster strudels in so long. We should get some toaster strudels. First test tube baby is born. As a donor kid, what's up, sister? Humble peanut farmer Jimmy Carter enjoys his presidency before the whole Iran hostage thing. Fun fact, Jimmy Carter watched this movie in office. We're going to bring it back around. We're going to bring it back around. Time is a flat fucking circle. Harvey Milk is assassinated by Twinkie psychopath Dan White. They had him killed, man. The Unabomber starts his shitty career of murder by sending his first mail bomb to an undeserving victim, which was a professor? Yeah, professor at Northwestern, surely. The Jonestown mass suicide occurs, turns everyone off of cults and flavorade. And on June 30th, 1978, the cat from outer space is released to mild applause. How are your year facts always so depressing? Because a bunch of bad shit happens all the time. There's got to be good things that happen in these years. Everything happens, nothing changes, but somehow keeps getting slightly worse. I mean, that's true. By the time we hit 97, it's just a fucking bummer of year facts. So, The Cat from Outer Space was directed by Norman Takar. It was written by Ted Key. A UFO captained by a cat-like extraterrestrial is intercepted by the U.S. military. The spacecraft's feline pilot, who goes by the human name Jake, reveals to his captors that he must locate a substance called Org-12 to restore his battered spacecraft and reunite with his mothership. I don't remember where I got this synopsis from. I clearly did not write it down. I guess it kind of covers it. That makes it sound a lot more exciting than it actually is. It sure does. How do you encompass a movie like this in just a few short sentences? I don't know, you know what I mean? You possibly could. Released June 30th, 1978. It had a budget of three and a half to four million. Finding numbers for this movie was incredibly difficult. Yeah. I don't actually know what the box office is. All of the normal sites that list box offices don't have this one listed at all. Uh-huh. I wonder why. No idea. So I have a couple of like really sketchy websites that I found that argue that it's from like 32.5 million adjusted to 69.9 million adjusted, but none of those sound right. No, I don't think so. There's no way this movie made that much no. money. <laughs> but I can't, I can find literally no information on it from any source that usually has box office numbers. Let's be honest here. This movie was likely a tax write off. Well, it made at least $1 from the Kroger bargain bin in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's true. It's got that 90s. going for it. Mm-hmm. It has a 6.1 on IMDb, a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, but that's only nine reviews. So, And Metacritic, as always, scored it lower at 58. It did not win any awards. It was <laughs> nominated for a 1978 Saturn Award for Best Science Fiction Film. Must have been a slow year for movies yeah uh, it did however <laughs> lose to the <laughs> yeah it lost to the chiseled jaw of a young christopher reeve is superman <laughs> so that tells you the caliber of this movie i can't believe cat from outer space lost to an obscure like nothing you know science fiction film like superman, superman with <laughs> Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. No one's no one cared. No one's even no heard of it. Who is no Christopher Reeve? And what was he known it for? It was like so cheesy. Like no one no one's gonna have any nostalgic attachment to that. He at all. ripped that S right off his chest and threw it at somebody like that meant something. But you know, in, a, in Superman Four, like was like Nuclear Man. I think is the villain he has to fight. It's a literal male stripper, and like he looks like He Man. Hello. All it's, right. I'm not not interested. It's weird. All right. Sure. They're We're all in. super gay. 
so there isn't an origin story for this movie, obviously. It's not based on anything. It came out of Ted Key's head, and we don't want to know what that looks like. Pulled her out of his butt. So, Will, as the instigator of this movie, what are your <laughs> thoughts on this movie? So, the little bit of background facts. Picture it. It's the 90s, all right? Uh, you could still get away with wearing a fanny pack in public. Oh, those are coming back. Clinton is riding high in the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Me, my mom, my little sister go to the local Kroger, which is a uh, grocery chain. And this was a time when the grocery store, they were trying to make it a mall. So at this this Kroger had like a movie rental store. It's the one in that it. I've been to? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is now, but it's not there anymore. Oh. And they had a, well, the movie rental place is there. But they, I remember they had this bin of just, like, dollar VHSs. And we were there at the time. Mom's like, hey, just pick something out. Fuck. And my little sister, Claire, was really, really into, like, cats and dogs at this time. Okay. Like, anything that had a cat or a dog into it, she was just, like, laser-locked items. And Did I you think, see Milo and Otis? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I think I think she was maybe seven Adorable. At this point. And she got, this, she got this movie, and it was a staple for that for like that first six months afterward because it's a surprisingly long movie it's yeah. Yeah, almost two hours i thought it was gonna be like and it's a really 90 easy minutes watch right it was an easy watch i'll give you that yeah it doesn't strain your brain that hard i re- i remember this movie being decent like i i remember sitting down and watching it beginning to end a few times i did not remember it being as boring and slow and just how much nothing happens it does really drag on in points like nothing nothing happens like nothing happens for the first hour and a half of the movie the bulk of the movie is <laughs> watching people watching football yeah and like there well not the bulk there's like a 20 minute scene in there yeah there's um, a good amount of time where that's happening yeah i do remember whoever the voice actor for jake was i really liked their their take on what he sounds like so he he doesn't yeah, sound good. he doesn't sound like a super intelligent he doesn't he doesn't have this high and mighty vibe to it he just sounds like a normal ass dude and he's yeah. like hey hey uh, my shift's working out and I, I need you to help me okay we don't have a lot of time and I'll help I'll help you you know because he he's like a physicist he's working on math equation I'll, I'll push in the right direction we gotta help out he just saw some dude with like a chalkboard writing out shit it's like you look like you're smart help me with my shift well that's ostensibly like why Jake Cat chooses Professor Frank Frank thank you. Because it's like he he's working on like an equation, and he mentions like, yeah, you're actually in the right direction. And so he's like, I'm going to talk to this guy. Yeah. So Ronnie Shell is the voice actor who plays okay. Cat. Oh, of course, the legendary Ronnie Shell. <laughs> Never heard of him, but he oh. does he does naturally sound like he's like it just sounds really natural. Nothing he's saying sounds yeah. weird and scripted, and like he's saying it in a studio where no one else is. I had never heard of this movie before you brought it up. No I had no has. idea. Yeah. Nobody's heard of it. This is why we can't find any fucking information about it. And this podcast is going to be either really short or really long of us just going, what? What? Yeah. I mean, I so we watched it last night with Abby, who's 11, and she loved it. She thought it was great. I think if I had watched it without her, I would be a lot more critical of it. There is definitely something to be said. If you're watching a movie with somebody who really, like, is enjoying it, then you enjoy it more, I think. Yeah. See, th- this movie, it was made before Disney really solidified its brand and its, like, feel. I don't know about that. I feel that it that's was true. A, I think it was... It doesn't feel to me at all like a Disney movie. I think it was an outlier. And it was absolutely made for the under-12 crowd. Did Flight of the Navigator feel like a Disney movie to you? No. I feel like it was like a Steven Spielberg movie to me. I think it was similar. There was this weird time, which I was not familiar with either of these movies, in like the 70s and 80s, where Disney was making these live action films that were just totally bizarre and like outside of what you would typically think of as Disney. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really weird live action ones. There's the Computer War Tennis Shoes. Yes. I think yeah. that's got what Patrick Swayze in it as a young, very young Patrick Swayze. You know that would actually we'll explain Patrick Swayze as a young Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Was batteries not included, Disney? No, because. Brendan told me not to watch the one if I didn't like Fly the Navigator. I looked it up and it was Jessica Lang and Britt Hume. Because but this, I don't so, think it was the Disney. spaceship in this one looks a lot like the spaceship from Fly the Navigator, and it looks like it reminds me a lot of the spaceship from Batteries Not Included. So in the late seventies, early eighties, there was a 
look that Hollywood decided this is what a spaceship looks like. See, I don't think this looked like the one from Flight of the Navigator. I thought it, I mean, it had a similar, like, general shape, but this one was a little more like it had eyeballs. It's not the typical flying saucer. No, and I, th- I think that was one thing. I, one of the notes I made later is that it's another one of those, like, unique spaceship designs, because I don't feel like it really looked like anything I'd seen before. I didn't think it was that, that unique. I thought it looked like a lot of spaceships I've seen from kind of, like, lower-budget children's movies at that time. That's fair. It does look like and Especially, like, when you get into the inside, it's clearly some cheap, shoddy set that they put together. Yeah, I wanted to look like Chrome, but we're not buying Chrome. Right. They learned their lesson, because Flight of the Navigator is the most Chrome. For real. What did you think, Allie? Of the movie? I thought it was no, dumb. No, of other things. But I thought it was fun. Yeah? It was super silly. It was... Not the greatest plot, but I feel like for what it was, it was very well executed. The actors were all pretty good, honestly. Yeah, like, I'm going to give good. it to the to guy who played Frank. He acts against a cat really well. Yeah, that's no small feat. I remember no. Jason Isaacs in some interview saying that the biggest challenge he ever had as an actor was acting opposite small children and animals because you cannot control them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I, I noticed that there's a lot of very tight close-ups of Jake's face. And they just looking it. bored. He just looks bored. And the cat is just kind of looking around, just, just doing whatever. And there was something about that technique, just like, all right, we'll just do a close-up of the cat. And maybe it, it's probably a consequence of, like, looking at so many CGI characters for so long. Yeah. But yeah. it felt, I can't my finger, I just felt old and dated. Like, well, okay, so the cat's talking, what would we do? I just... So, I mean, I just, I keep coming back to, uh, uh, I had forgotten, maybe this is, this is why I had forgotten, but how much nothing happens in the movie. Jake lands, yeah. he goes to the university, runs into Frank, they go to his apartment, and then his, like, friend comes over and they watch football, and they go to the pool I hall. I wouldn't call him a friend. The alcoholic well, go, guy with the, the gambling spaceship. problem. Oh, you're they right, yeah, the they, go, they, get the, they, get the, they go to the spaceship to pick up, uh, figure out he needs the material. Yeah. And they go back to the apartment and watch football. And they yeah. go to the pool hall, and that goes on forever. I forever. think it was actually kind of, if you want to get intellectual about it, because I've had four vodka sodas, I think it's an interesting investigation into like the social relationship that Frank has with Link. Because like clearly Frank thinks that they're like co-workers, just colleagues. And Link's like, hey, so I'm going to take over your TV for a while because we're like best friends, right? Do you have any beer? Oh, hey, kitty. <laughs> well, yeah. Link also has uh, a gambling problem and he's clearly on the verge of divorcing his wife, who is desperately No, let's trying. rephrase that. His vo- wife is on the verge of divorcing him. Y- yes, yeah. correct, right. And she's like trying to like, do this last few things. Well, maybe if I keep him from watching the game, he'll stop betting on it. That's clearly working out really well for her. Right. Okay, the movie ends with a, again, very long and very, very boring action sequence where... There's a stuffed cat, first of all. Well, and just uh, not a lot happens. They oh, spend I, I, forever trying to get Liz out of that helicopter. Yeah, does, yeah, Liz. It's like ten minutes where she's trying to step off like the helicopter onto the plane. I understand it's a stunt, and like they, they do actually a pretty good job building tension. But she's just, just doing this one thing. It's a big action set piece, and it's just, you know, uh, exterior shot of the plane. And then close-up shot of the plane. That close-up shot right. of Liz. And then exterior it's shot too of the plane. much. All right. Should we go into production notes? Yes. They're all you. They're guys. not all me. Will has a couple. Uh, some taglines for this movie. Mysterious visitor with unknown powers on our planet for supplies. A six-pack of tuna. <laughs> and then the Allie liked this one. A close encounter of the furred kind. I love it. I love a good pun. I love a bad pun. Also the same name for the uh, Bubsy 3D movie on PlayStation 1. Bubsy 3D, Close Encounters with the Third Kind. Make that mm. note, everyone. One of the Make worst note. games ever made. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. I could not find many notes for this movie at all. There are no production notes, really. I mean, we have a couple things. There was a copyright infringement suit filed in 1979 against Walt Disney because a guy named Frank Nordstrom claimed that this infringed on his work. It went nowhere. What was his work? Uh, I don't even know. I could find nothing about Frank Nordstrom because there's nothing about this movie out there. He was a nothing. cat and this was his life story. It's Maybe it was. Like, Maybe he was the real Jake. The lack, the lack of information out there is just like, it's strange. This movie exists. It's on it Disney+. Plus. 
Well, and like we've done some of the older, like we've done older movies. We did some of the animated movies, and we found a ton of information about stuff. Yeah, nothing. I can't find shit about this movie. No one knows anything about this movie. I think that the editing in this movie is actually pretty stellar. They took a movie where the cat is the main character, and they use a live cat, and they make it pretty cohesive. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's really it's really basic. The only time I could tell that they weren't using the actual live cat was during the airplane scenes. If there was ever, like, a side shot of the airplane, yeah. this very obviously just super shitty, just, like, almost, like, taxidermy cat oh, just funny. sitting on the hood of the plane. Yeah. I mean, we get into this a little bit later, but there are some scenes in the gambling hall after the cat has accidentally been tranquilized yeah. where it lo- it doesn't even look like a sleeping cat. It looks like a cat corpse. It looks like a dead cat. I have a lot of depressing comparisons from when we get there. Okay. They clearly didn't have a very high budget. When the helicopter crashes, there's no, like, explosion. You just hear it crash off scenery. <laughs> but they were able to, like... Build an actual busted plane for that that chase, or they just salvaged one. Well, uh, either... I know what that plane is. I so I found a couple of websites that I kind of love the internet for. There's the Internet Movie Car Database and the Internet Movie Plane Database. Okay, there are people who identify all of the cars and planes in every movie. What it means for, for us is that we know that that plane is a Boeing Stearman Model seventy five. It was produced in the 30s and 40s for World War II. You know, that was a, that makes sense because that was the thing with a lot of World War II planes was whole parts of the movie had blown off. Yeah. And would continue to fly. And be like, still be able to go, yeah. There's there's no shortage of reports of, um, of those big uh, uh, B-52s that would have parts yeah. of their wing blown off or a tail blown off, and they were still able to land. Back when yeah. men were men. When men were men. Um, also men. thanks to the internet movie car database the car that the evil villain shows up in is literally just shows up in just well he like he po- they pull up in like this like we'll, we'll, we'll get to limo. that yeah yeah he does just show up but so his car is an eagle coach phaeton limousine which is a 1973 lincoln continental stretched limousine okay so thank you car nerds that's what i have learned <laughs> from the internet today oh that's amazing jess it's amazing like i just google shit and find it like i went like 15 pages deep on the cat from outer space in a google search trying to find things about this fucking movie that's 12 pages more than me so we couldn't find the box office but you could find the kind of plane that was in the chase sequence yeah i don't know what to tell you man there if you can find the box office i will edit it in they're hiding it in i believe this movie was a tax write-off that's what i think i mean maybe you know, come at me, Disney. I'm, I'm saying it. Will, did you know there was a novelization of this movie? I did not know that, and I have to get a, no- like a copy of this. I have one for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. If I we were doing this in person, I would give it to you right now. But yeah, I have a copy for you, because when we started looking into this movie, I was like, there's a novelization. And I was like, I have to get this for Will. He needs a copy of this. I used to collect those. Like, I, collect, I used to like, read them. I would have, like, you know, Men in Black the novel you know or like yeah. jurassic it's... park the novel based on the movie based on the novel jurassic park. <laughs> right. uh i have a copy of the novelization of bill and ted's excellent adventure on the bookshelf over there i had yeah. i had a novelization of the full monty <laughs> one line i remember gary danced sexily <laughs> but yeah so when we first started looking into this movie it like got back in like what was it, January we started thinking about this one a little bit? I had my sister look for a copy. I think it was before then, yeah. Or maybe I had my sister look for a copy because she works at a Half Price Books. And she found one in the Twin Cities, like, the next week for me. That's insane. I read I, it. I, I, it's I'm awful. Don't say Annie. Thank it's you, Annie. It's worse than the movie. I, I can't <laughs> imagine they'd capture, like, the on-screen electricity of lines like, I was going <laughs> to buy a new summer wardrobe. It's written by the same guy who wrote the screenplay. <laughs> It was his vision. It was his baby. General, um, it really Major, highlights Sergeant. that Ted Key is probably pretty sexist and misogynistic in real life because the book is not great. Yeah, the the way broads are de- depicted in this flick is yeah, not it's the sure. most progressive. It's worse than the book. Oh my god. Yeah. Can you but imagine so, that? So yeah, so I have this book for you and someday when we can see each other in person again, I will have it for you. We're going <laughs> to hug so Thank much. You. You're welcome. Ted Key also wrote two other Disney movies. He wrote Million Dollar Duck and Gus. I have neither heard of neither of these ever. I looked up Million Dollar Duck. 
And yeah. it also stars Sandy Duncan. Okay. Was she Liz? Liz in this movie. Yep. And it is a retelling of like a modern retelling of the Golden Goose. And mm. it looks insane. I think it's like a science experiment gone wrong. Okay. And it looks almost like a Jerry Lewis kind of like 60s like sex comedy. Oh my okay. god, I'm looking it up. Yeah, it does. I'm I'm like kind of into it. We should definitely do it. You know, we'll add to the shortlist. And it was a Disney movie. Oh yeah, hell yeah. So it think... looks like the original Nutty Professor. Yeah, it looks like a crazy Jerry Lewis yeah, movie it does. in the 60s. So... Jake the cat was played by two cats. They were brother and sister of Abyssinian cats named Rumpler and Amber. Rumpler's a great name. That's a great cat. That's a pretty great <laughs> name. Uh, this breed was selected by the producers because they thought it looked more alien. And apparently they're more easy to train. I which... would think like a um, Sphinx cat would be more alien. They ain't got no hair. Maybe they also wanted to go for like house cat. Like this is, they just said. Even though it's a particular breed, this he looks had to like pass a, as a real cat. Yeah, it just looks like a little orange house cat. I mean, yeah. that's that's what Rusty like. R.I.P. Rusty. We don't know if he's dead. Scumps to that cat though. I thought Whoever that cat is, it's a Will's old cat. Okay, can I please talk about the thing that I was the most excited about? I texted so many people about this. <laughs> you texted me about this. I texted you. I texted Fiona. It's my my mom. You wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. I wouldn't shut up about it. So starting from probably when I was like fourteen, my friend Fiona and I have loved, loved, loved the show Mash because we have been hashtag cool as hell since the year two thousand. <laughs> so we love the show Mash. Very familiar with it, and this movie featured two actors from it, and they were Harry Morgan and McLean Stevenson. So this is what I wrote. Being a MASH fanatic since my early teens, the Harry Morgan-McLean Stevenson connection was the only thing I found exciting about this movie. Sorry, movie. McLean Stevenson's character was very much like his character in MASH, Henry Blake, kind of like fun and bumbling and kind of like didn't take things very seriously. Harry Morgan played two characters in MASH, first as the very eccentric Major General Bartford Hamilton Steele in the episode The General Flipped at Dawn, and then a few seasons later he premiered as Colonel Sherman T. Potter. Potter replaced Blake as CEO of the 4077 after Blake's death in a plane crash, so they replaced each other. Blake died and then Anyway, it's a great connection. I was really super excited because I have never seen either of them in like any movie ever. And yeah. I got to geek out over this. MASH is a great show. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's about Korea, but it was released during Vietnam. And now there's everyone dying of a virus. So it's very pertinent. Pertinent. The war on biology. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have anything else for cast and crew, because I don't know any of these people. No. All right. So, not a lot of... I mean, there's some animation in this. Not really animation, because this is kind of pre-computer animation stuff. Yeah. They do use a really solid lens flare to indicate the alien spaceship at the beginning. True. There was uh, some, some quality matte painting at the beginning as well. Yes, there was some good matte painting. And then there's the whole, like jake freezing people in place and they're blurred i love that they didn't even bother to get the blur out of it i wrote down here i feel like that's a testament to how little the director cared about this movie yeah it's all blurry whatever who gives a shit this movie's a tax (laughs) write-off and then later later when they do because i get so so jake's color could do anything it needs to do but it only needs to do two things needs to levitate stuff and it needs to stop stuff Right. It starts and stops things. So when they freeze people, whenever it's convenient, even though there's times when they should, when they don't. Right. They just freeze frame it, and they're all blurry. And then later, when everyone's interacting with the characters, the actors are just clearly standing there, just not moving. Not moving, yeah. And but you can you can you can tell that, and yeah. it's it's a strange juxtaposition. It's this is also in animation and costuming. You mentioned that the spy is not good at his job, but his style is very dapper. He is dapper as hell. That's Roddy McDowell, who is best known for his role of a character I do not know the name of in Planet of the Apes and the classic punk dystopian action thriller class of 1984. Hell yeah. Huh. And he was in A Bug's Life. 
uh, I thought the sets for this movie were really cool. They all felt really realistic and detailed and lived in and not like the weird, super clean, modern thing that you get from movies nowadays. Like his office has just like scraps of paper all over the place and his chalkboards are all wonky and his house looks like, a, or his apartment, I guess, lives looks like a lived in apartment. There's like a half filled can, like a giant fucking candy jar. Yeah, a huge candy jar. Huge. Like, and he's got, this guy has a problem. He clearly has a problem. And then he's got, like, art all over the walls, and he's clearly into boats, because there's, like, a poster of a boat on one of the doors. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, it's only for a hot second, but at the very top of the living room, above the couch, there's a shelf of model boats. Okay, I didn't oh, notice that. I didn't notice that either. Um, but I like, kind of hated his office, which I think is a good sign, because I was like, this guy's a fucking mess. This, like, sure. it's cinder block, and there's shit everywhere, but it was enough to invoke a reaction. I was like, I do not like there's where this man lives. There's also a birdcage in his apartment that has a for rent sign yeah, over it. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> and, it's, it, and it's featured prominently in, like, the background of shots where he's talking. Yeah. Or where someone's talking. Like, they're on the couch, and they're, t- they're saying something, and behind them, it's just this birdcage. It's a for rent sign on it. Is the birdcage for rent? <laughs> I think that's like, really fucking funny. Renting the birdcage. Is it supposed to be a joke? Am I, like, is it a reference? Was it the I think it's just supposed to be a apartment? joke. Like, my well, dad has empty. a birdcage in his clubhouse down in the basement, and I want to... It's an empty birdcage. He doesn't keep birds, because then you have to take care of it. But I want to put a little for rent sign on it now, because I think that's really fucking funny. The, the wires, you can see the wires oh, so yeah. many times in this movie. Terribly. When Jake's on the couch in his office and they're lighting up his collar, you can see the wires running down the back of the cat when he's flying around the spaceship and when they levitate Link. Like, it's just, it's bad. There's there's a scene where, uh, when they're trying to convince Link that Jake has, like, space powers. Yeah. I think he's, like, he's trying to drink a beer or something. But right. he has his hand up close to his mouth, his, uh, his mouth, and like water sprays out and shoots all over his face. And he's holding his hand in such a way where it's just like he's he's, he's hiding the pipe. There's clearly the a pipe coming and up his arm. And then he turns effects. to his right, turning to- away from the camera, and there's like two seconds where you can see the hose just like oh, coming funny. up under his bomb. I didn't Again, notice that. This movie was a tax write-off. They filmed it over. <laughs> they filmed it over the course of a week. This was probably like some PA's ap- actual apartment. I mean, maybe it is. That explains why it looks so good. And why the warehouse is like just completely empty. The warehouse is like it's it, it's just a warehouse, and there's it doesn't uh, even have the classic alien tarps, the white tarps you put around. Oh aliens. yeah, you put it around yeah. every alien, right? And like you know, for a literal UFO, it's there's just like no guard at all right like there's nobody watching this at all why is there not somebody at this door that they just casually walk in this movie was released in 1978 and there are so many bell bottoms i cannot even and i hate bell bottoms usually but there were a couple business suits with flared pants and those amazing i'm talking like button-up vests underneath i was here for it can we bring that look back it is classy it is casual it is relaxed it is sophisticated it is brown velvet i am into it homeboy was wearing three shades of brown for this movie three shades of brown yeah that's kanye level shit come on like that brown velvet suit that he's wearing in that last scene in the courthouse that was it fit him so well too how often is brown velvet like hot Never. All right, Never. I got I got mustard brown, I got dirt brown, I got tree brown, all right, and then I got oven. I would go wild for a mustard yellow bell bottom suit. That would be amazing. Amazing. I told you the other just today where I was at the store and I saw some kids. Yeah. 18 tops. Like probably actually 17 kids. tops. He means girls. And uh, yes, they were yes, they were girls, Allie. I swear, these kids are wearing bell bottoms. Yeah, the 70s are coming back. We just and had the, the 90s resurgent. We yeah, we just had the 70s. 90s hybrid. We're going to have bad. some weird bell bottoms and fanny pack combination going on. It's going to happen. Just wait. You'll see it. Bleach blonde hair with like the really large jacket lapels. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'll do it. Yeah, do. let's do it. And send pictures because I can't see you in person. Uh, Frank also has some really great sweaters that he wears in this. Yes. 
like he has that cream sweater that he was wearing that I was literally looking at being like, huh, could I knit that? I probably yeah. could. <laughs> it looks cozy and comfy and great. And then, okay, the other thing we have to talk about is the last minute bad guys, Evil Lair. Yeah, so... That's, like, they, literally in a cave in a fucking mountain? What is happening there? Whole cave. Yeah, so they realized uh, halfway through this movie, when they were writing the screenplay, oh shit, something needs to happen. We need a climax. <laughs> right. You know, we need tension. Because all they have to do is, is buy gold, and they do that by playing pool. So they need, you know, there, there needs, needs to be, be something actual to happen. Yeah. yeah. And a Bond villain is just, again, dear listener, just throw it in there. I don't even, I think he has a name. I couldn't tell I you what it was. It. Me either. Yeah, but just picture, picture a 60s or 70s Bond villain and that's all you need to know. That's it. Oh, he was, was he Mr. Olympus? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I am. And, and he has has a double agent that works for the government that tells him about the cat collar that can do anything. Well, they're they're not like, the government. They're just like a university. Yeah. Well, okay. So a double agent at you know the English department at this university, and he tells him about the cat collar. He's like, "Well, we right. have to have it." And then twenty minutes later, he shows up to finish the movie. Yeah, it was super weird, and like. He came on screen and they're watching that video upside down and they're in a cave. I'm like, <laughs> that is that is actually kind of funny. It's just so yeah, the upside down is pretty funny. But I just like it was the most like they went like, hmm, what does a bad guy's lair look like? Oh, I know. <laughs> well, how about this? Where does like someone like that get like the funding? Maybe he's for... independently wealthy, or he has a lot of donors. Maybe a sympathetic cause for world domination. Maybe early Patreon. Early Patreon. Okay, let's get to some plot points and writing things. Yeah. Well, one of your notes is that no one notices this cat for the entire movie. For the entire movie, no one sees the cat. And that's super unrealistic to me, because let me tell you, if I saw a cat, like, anywhere, I am immediately focused on that cat. Yeah, you'd zero in, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. so, at the beginning of the movie, when Jake meets Frank, it's because he just kind of sneaks into the university while the government has the has the floating crystal and he's just watching this whole thing and like no one notices the cat and there's not even like if i were writing this movie the general would have turned being like who's cat and eh, whatever you know right. just said they liz who turns out to be like the crazy cat lady of the movie would be like oh look at this cat who showed up yeah or just would have been like oh like or like from the room like hi doggy like oh hey kitty yeah, like uh, some acknowledgement of it. For the whole movie, it is not acknowledged as grown man is just carrying around a cat to like pool halls. And... Except for at the pool hall. It is noticed repeatedly at the pool hall. Oh, you're right. Yes. Everyone yes. is asking if the cat is taking a nap. No one thinks it is weird that there is a cat in this pool hall. That is no. true. Also, that, the right? cat looks dead. So why isn't somebody asking if the cat is alive? Oh, yeah. that's That was a... Hmm. We'll get there, too. That's a yikers. I think we have that one in social commentary. We'll get there. That was really unfair when the general brings the scientists together to look at. It's like part of the engine or something they have. Yeah. And it's like, it's about five seconds. He's like, well, there he's. And the the, right. the poor scientist is like, uh. Well, I mean, that's like his character, though. That's what I was talking about. So Harry Morgan's character in his first episode of MASH was very much like that. He was a high-ranking general who was fucking crazy. I remember there was a scene in that episode where he picks up a tongue, a wooden tongue dispenser off the ground and says, you're not going to use this again? You're wasting this? And Blake's like, well, sir, you can't sanitize the wood. And he's like, bullshit. You can fix it. Like, he just plays like a crazy person in this okay. movie, too. I'll stop talking about that. I'm pretty sure in the novelization of this movie, he is described as a general patent wannabe. Not in those exact okay. words, obviously, mm -hmm. but that is what he is trying to be. For sure. They also, it was like, uh, the only reason they had him with, like, sunglasses and a helmet on the whole time is because later Frank steals his costume, and that's how right. he sneaks into the mm -hmm. base later. That's called Chekhov's gun. If sunglasses are introduced, they must be worn. <laughs> so does some do with mirrors, sunglasses, like, gotta wear them. After, so after Frank and Jake examine the ship and figure out what they need to do they're escaping out the army base i guess and they have that real et moment where the motorcycle flies yes. over the gate yes before et was actually a thing do you think et stole it from this it's my theory i'm sticking with it you heard Spielberg us disney we're not scared of your lawyers <laughs> they have to listen to us to actually try to sue us so i'm not right. worried and then we get to the pool hall scene 
We have a that, lot that of notes about the pool hall scene. Forever. So Forever. The crux of this movie is that Jake has to get some gold to, yep. uh, as a conductor for his ship's engine base. And they need something like what amounts to like like three million dollars of today's money worth of gold, and he's just going to yeah, condense it's $120, it. One hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of gold yeah. in nineteen seventy eight. Right, and in order, and they realize that since uh, Jake's car can do anything they want, they can just bet on sports or whatever. And they end up going to Frank's friend Link's bookie. He runs a Ernest a pool Ernie. Hall. Yeah, they His they, they run Ernest a pool Ernie. hall, and they rig a legitimate bet to win, which teaches children that cheating is fine as long as you can manipulate matter. So <laughs> this go in the movie in this this scene goes on forever. It goes on for a long time. For there is that really great time. slow motion scene though when she first shoots the pool the cue ball and it goes flying around the room in slow motion. Yeah. That, that was a great cool. scene. So what what you will immediately notice as you're watching this is that this pool hall is in nineteen forty seven. Absolutely. It, on the Yeah, East it's right out of guys and dolls. Run by the yeah, mother. it's like yeah, it's like a like a Jersey or New York wise guy bar from the forties. When the implication for the entire movie is that they're somewhere on the West Coast, right, or like Nevada, maybe like you know, because there's all these shots of like in the desert and there, yeah. there's there's air bases. But now we're so what year is it? <laughs> I maybe it's a time step you go back in time when you enter this pool hall my problem with this pool hall and this whole scene of them tricking them and winning this bet is how did they make it out of that building alive because if somebody pulled this kind of trick on this group of mobsters they would be six feet under before you they're could not mobsters well, they're just guys who were having a good time no, it, was because, it was because honest harry was there the guy holding sure. the money but and honest, harry... honest harry be like clearly you're fucking with us put him in the river like, honest Honest Harry is like apparently the Jesus or like Clearly. Christ figure of this mafia, and he keeps busting out these like rule books. Like no, 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 no. He who holds the money must remain neutral, and he whoever takes the bet must always honor the bet. It's just like, but it's again, pretty wild. To, to your point, Jesse, if you lose what? Yeah, again, three million dollars today's money to a mobster. It's like okay. Yeah, here's your money. Also, give me my money back. Right. Like, also, here is the fine that you owe us for even daring to step into our building. Yeah. I, it's also, conveniently the same amount you just won from us. And uh, I want a I want a cool mob nickname. What would your cool mob nickname be? Now's your chance. Cash the Snake Knuckles. <laughs> Cash the Snake Knuckles. <laughs> uh, I do like I do like slippery fingers. Slippery as well. Wait, what'd you say? Oh, that's gross. We're getting this whole thing out. I don't. Will I want, the enforcer. That was that was that was what it said it was on the, the test. Did it? Oh, did know. you find a mob name generator? Yeah, we did. Hundred percent. We did during this movie. I thought I'd I mean that like because it needs some alliteration there, like Wild Will. You know, Will the Wicked. Wicked Weepy will. will. Yeah, Weepy Will. Weepy Will. Right. Will the Wicker Man, not the bees. <laughs> Wicker Man Will. <laughs> He loves to make patio furniture. <laughs> Handles the rain great. All weather. Did we talk about the general major sergeant joke? No, but we should. Goes and we should mention it 10,000 times for every time that the general major sergeant joke is done in the movie. It is done way too much. And you know what? In the novelization of the movie, they still do it every single time. This book Ugh. follows this movie very very closely. Mr. Mr. Key must have thought this was like peak comedy. He must have thought this was the funniest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. So the, mil the, the, the the military that follows our characters is a, just a group of nondescript military dudes. Yeah. And there's always a, there's always the same four guys. And then there's always this uh, uh, a joke. The general says something. He goes, make it so. Like, general? Major? Sergeant, and then the last guy just does everything same thing and just ends up doing it. And he this does joke, everything in this movie. This joke happens every like five minutes. Like every time they're on screen, it happens at least three times. It it reminds me of like when I was in sixth grade. I went to Ocean City, Maryland for a vacation, and I got this like T-shirt had a, a picture of like an alien face, but it was in like, the smiley face, so it was yellow with the the alien face was like, sure. all smiley. Yeah, I just can said. 
Yeah, it just said it was white. It was super cheap from like Great American T-shirt Factory, and it just said "Have a spacey day" on it. And to Some sixth grade, give shit right there. To sixth grade me, this was the funniest fucking <laughs> shit out there. This was this was the funniest shirt I'd ever seen in my life. I remember wearing it to school like a few weeks later and wearing it and having this very like this very clear thought of like why is no one commenting me on my hilarious shirt and i would wear this shirt all the time and no one ever said anything and that's what this joke is like it is you're absolutely right that's exactly what it is um we are going to give ted key credit on one joke that i thought was fucking hilarious General Stilton, Stilton is a cheese. Yeah. His code name is Big Cheese through this movie. And I giggled every cheese. time it was on. It it's is like a gross the cheese. Stankiest of all blue cheeses. But it was really funny to me every time it was on. Going back to the gold, I looked all this up because I like to ruin movies with math. Sure. Apparently, well, first of all, it's apparently it's not hard to just go get $120,000 worth of gold in 1978. They don't even show it happening. They just go, they just show up with a bar of gold where did yes. they get it how do they get it what like where would you even get that much gold like that's a lot of gold to just Fort Knox. buy it's it's a little it's a it's like a bar and a half of gold so it should be a bar and a half they only show Something a bar like of that. gold i did yeah. so in 1978 the price of gold was about 169 dollars an uh-huh. ounce at 120 thousand dollars, they should have 709 ounces of gold a bar of gold weighs 400 troy ounces, which is a technical gold weight, which translates to 438.9 ounces. How many pounds is that? Why make it 439? I don't know. When it could be 438.9. Right? Like, well, because a troy ounce, I kind of looked this up and I stopped paying attention because I got bored. A troy ounce is like the historical measurement they've used for gold since like the Middle Ages. And what that translates to into ounces today is that 438.9. Yeah, but so yeah, they didn't have enough gold. But also, where the hell do you just buy a bar and a half of gold in 1978? I don't understand. Where'd you buy a bar of gold in 2020? Where where do you ever just buy a bar of gold? Like, how do you even do that? I feel like that can't just happen in like a quick stop on the way home from the pool hall where you should have been murdered. And this would have been like, this could have been like a much more interesting plot where... Jake's like, ah, well, we, we just need this this uh, this element. We need we need X. We need this much. And Frank's like, well, Jake, uh, I mean, we do have gold on this planet. Uh, it, it we could get it, but just not that much this quickly. And right. maybe they have to like rob like a, a, a gold depository or something. Oh yeah, give us a like, robbery scene. I want yeah, like a robbery, like a heist this. scene, which would have been much more interesting. It but that might have actually take like helicopter scene. Right, but that would have taken, you know, you would you would have had, you couldn't have popped that screenplay out in a weekend on a legal pad. That's and true. And that would have taken a bit more time to film. That's true. So why didn't Jake just stop the helicopter from taking off? Because that would have ruined the movie. Because the movie needed to happen. Was it like that fight scene needed to happen in the air, really? Yes. Yes. Did, I feel like it didn't add anything to this. Well, they, they add on towards the end that the collar is only able to do what Jake is able to concentrate on, and unlike the Force... He was too busy being thirsty for the other cat. Unlike the Force, like, I guess size does matter, and because he does, there is a line where he's like, it's taking all my concentration just to keep the plane going. Sure, but like, if he had just stopped the helicopter from taking off in the first place, he wouldn't have had to fly the fucking plane. Which, again, he could do. We've established he could do that, and he did not. He did not. But also, the movie needed to happen. I suppose. Then there were some really great North by Northwest shots of the helicopter coming over the cars. thought that was fun. I did notice one thing with the plane scene. There's some actually legitimately good special effects there. Because they do yeah. strip the plane down. And it, it looks like a it looks like a busted piece of shit. The back end of the plane, where like towards where the tail is, there's no like cut coating. You can see right through it. So it's just right. like the frame. So it's like, okay, that's actually kind of, like, kind of cool. Uh, there's like pieces of the framing for the wings missing, and there's like this. Uh, there's a few shots where Frank is like he's like wing walking, he's trying to get like Liz off the helicopter. Right. And I'm looking at it. You can see that they do have a stunt guy on the wing, you know, helping the other stunt person off the helicopter. And I'm like, wow, like I can't see anybody in the pilot seat. How do they do that? And there's a yeah, few scenes that. where if you look at the if you look at the pilot, if you just focus on the pilot seat, you can see a pilot, like, kind of turned to the other side. It's very brief. 
And what he's huh. doing is he is wearing a completely black, like, jumpsuit. Oh, weird. And they painted the inside and everything around the cockpit is all black. Oh, cool. So, it, no, it's actually a really clever, like, way of doing that. Like, yeah. if you're not paying attention, which you're not. I didn't notice and, it for sure. Yeah, and for, like, 95% of the shot, all you just see is black. Right. And you just you don't think about, oh, the cockpit actually didn't look like that. Oh, wait, there's still, it shouldn't also be black. There should be, like, levers. You should be able to see dials and stuff. So, actually, like, that's actually a pretty clever and also cheap and effective special effects for that Yeah, scene. that was good. So what happened to the other collar? Because they had the second collar that Frank uses to fly around the hangar where the spaceship's kept. Did they just lose it? Did yes. it go back in the spaceship? Yes. I didn't love the character of Frank. Like, he's the main guy. Yeah. So I kind of liked that he was, I guess, so adaptive to a talking cat. Like, he that's did, like, he kind of just accepted it pretty fucking quick, didn't he? Well, he is a man of science, so yeah, this he was true. like, yeah, sure, this is po- theoretically possible. But he was kind of creepy with Liz, like, he was definitely hitting on her super hardcore, and she was clearly not interested. And then when he finally did, Until like... Until she was. Um, well, Until well she when was. he finally wore her down, then he kept blowing her off from, like, right. kind of a dickweed, honestly. Yeah, it is kind of a dick. And he didn't, like, even give her any good excuses, like, oh, my cat is sick, at which point they had the fakest cat sick noises I've ever heard in my life. I'm a cat. Like, clearly somebody making the noises, like, that's not right. even close. So that bothered me a little bit. Also, Liz's thing with her cat was weird. She, like, left the cat at his apartment. Yeah. Like, in her cat, what was her name, Lucy Bell? Lucy Bell. Lucy Bell. Cute name for a cat. Uh, just left the cat in that little tiny carrier. Also wanted to take the cat with her on the date. There were no healthy relationships going on here. No, they were not great. That was not they good. Were they were all very some weird. therapy. I really did not like that Jake the cat clearly wanted to fuck the girl cat. Oh my god, he really like, wanted to. Like straight up said it. Frank does have the most relatable line of this entire movie, though. My entire capital is tied up in my next paycheck. Oh, yeah. God. That's yeah. true. And That's he's a, like, true. doctor, professor, science guy. They don't it's make a doctor of professor science. That's a tough doctor to get. It is. Twice the years. Let's see. Link is totally cool with animal abuse. When the horse race is happening, he says, give him the whip, dummy. <laughs> that's right. Beat his ass. Beat his ass. So that's great. But then they uh, fast forward to the film. That's true. That's, I kind of love that. Where, like They literally just fast forward the horse running. It was really funny. This is another one of their, I don't really give a shit about this editing. Yeah. So let's just get the scene over with. Exactly. And then the other drastically terrible animal abuse part of this movie, they absolutely sedated that cat. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. That is not what a sleeping cat looks like at all. No, not at all. That is what a dead cat looks like. I can tell you this because I've seen a few of them because my cats have died over time. Yeah. That's exactly what a dead cat looks like. That's a dead cat. I said, when we were watching it, I said, that cat's dead. That is a dead cat. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a dead cat. It just, limp it's as hell. Limp as hell. The face gets really slack. Yeah. Like, my cat's sleeping right next to me right now, and she does not look like that. Wake up. Elle, what do you think? Elle, what do you think? Was the cat dead? She doesn't care. Yes! Well, oh, maybe, maybe if it's... Because I, I have seen, like, pictures of uh, animals that are just, like, put under for, like, an operation. And they do kind of have, like, a... They, are, yeah. they do just kind of have, like, a lifeless look to them. I, so I, I have a feeling they actually sedated that cat. I, I'm, sure I'm sure they, they did. did, yeah. Yeah. Because there's no way that that was just a sleeping cat or a cat. Like, no. cats can't act I mean, can like that. Can you, like, so. even really train a cat that well? Because no. they're pretty stubborn. No, I don't think I don't even know if you could train, like, a dog to, to do that, you know? Mm, probably not for that. Not, not for that, that long well. time, yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's, holding the, he's holding the cat, in, you know, in his arms for this pool scene. Yeah. For what was probably several days of shooting. Right. Right. Like, I don't know how much B-roll was, was shot for this scene, but... It's a 20-minute scene, so they probably, I don't know. So who knows I mean, how- like, my cats will fall asleep on me, and if I, I can sometimes pick them up and move around. And they'll stay kind of, like, sleepy and out of it. But I can't do a lot. If you move too much, they're no. like, what are you doing? This is not what I want to be doing. Stop moving. Right. Even right now, I'm moving my hand too much, and Elle's not happy with me. But yeah, so they definitely sedated that cat, and yes. that's pretty awful. It was before the, like, is it the ASPCA? Wasn't it wasn't. In- the ASPCA was started in, like, the 30s or something. I looked it up. Oh. 
Yeah, it, it wasn't. Was... I did not check to see. I was going to look at the end of the credits. Because there, there was some movie where uh, the producers forced a horse uh, that was pulling a carriage to, to run off a cliff. Mm. And it caused such controversy that, you know, that, that the SBCA was formed. Yeah. And they have, like, it's, there's no, I don't think there's any law, but pretty much every production company in Hollywood says they have, like, full yeah. control over animal actors on set. Oh, well, the Humane Society has a hand in that. Yeah, Humane too. Society. That was right. Yeah. That was because like, there was that big um, investigation into Milo and Otis, and they found not really much of anything. No, well, I mean, there's always articles about how they're not doing what they're supposed to or yeah. the controversies that have happened. And yeah. usually they're bullshit controversies that aren't even a thing. But anyway, that poor cat. <laughs> Gotta give it to Ernest Ernie, our mobster bookie. He does say, yeah. always leave the sucker rent money. Um, but can you imagine $60 covering your rent? No. My mom, when she first moved out of her parents' house, she lived right on Stevens, like Stevens and 30th or something like 31st and her rent was something like $80 a month. That was also in the early sixties. My mom went to the university of Minnesota for like $500 a semester. Yeah. That's it. That's all she did. She put herself through school. No problem. Right. I did a semester at the U and it was $12,000. My mom's student loan payments coming out of school were something like $50 a month. My mom's first job. This is how old my mom is. My mom's first job was a fucking telephone switch up or operator. Wow. She was born in 1948, so this is like mid-60s. Yeah. Her first job. Can you believe it? That's wild. Now she wild. has a smartphone. Now she has a smartphone. Future is happening more and more every day. Yep. Um, our last problematic note is from Will, and I had this one too. I just forgot to put it in here. The cat becomes a U.S. citizen. Yes. So I don't really think this is problematic, but this is like a... I would say it's a trope, but it does fit the social commentary. Yeah. Um, the, the ending scene of this movie, after the incredibly boring and long uh, airborne chase sequence, we immediately cut to a courthouse where a judge walks in and just starts swearing in Jake as a U.S. citizen. And this judge is like not sitting there going like, you're making a mockery of my court. What is right. this? Because we find out, you know, pretty early on, he doesn't know that Jake is an alien. He's just swearing at a fucking cat. Right. And for no reason, Jake suspends the judge in the air. Where Jesus he ass- style. Like, straight where he up assumes, Jesus again, style. again, a Christ <laughs> pose. He is on the cross, and then in continuing, getting louder and louder, continues with the swearing in process. And I want to say there's a, f- a few other movies where, not necessarily aliens, but the protagonist, he's like, I'm a fish out of water protagonist. They become a U.S. citizen at the end or something. This <laughs> would like have been trope. at the beginning of the height of the Cold War. It was 78. It was pre-Reagan. So like, they, at the they, beginning they, of they the end, They do talk maybe. about at the beginning of the movie when they first find the spaceship, is there a hammer yes. and sickle inside? Yes. So becoming a U.S. citizen is one, in this universe, one, something that can just happen. And you just, yeah, I just want to be a citizen. Okay, well, you, you just do the thing. You were there. Which probably explains why so many people believe you can just be a citizen. Right. It's not It's not a potentially decades-long process that can cost tens of thousands of dollars. No. Uh, inquire, that actually requires a lot of uh, yeah, education. Yeah, it really was a, a slap in the face of all the immigrants who were trying to get legalized But it was, also, right. it was also that the highest honor you could do, and for some reason, these aliens, but they just immediately want that. That's the end. The story the ends, Americans? but the, the movie ends with, you're an American now. Now your arc is complete. Very <laughs> strange. This whole and happy. Very strange ending. Yes. Like, that was the thing. This movie is a tax write-off, you know, and it didn't have a lot of money, and it was, like, again, filmed in the course of a week, but they, they they actually did, like, an effective job with what they were trying to do, which was create an easy-to-watch popcorn flick for babies. And the babies will watch it, and they're like, oh, the cat is cute, he's making the, the adults look stupid. And if you're, like, a kid... <laughs> I got a review that has that exact sentiment later. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> and if you're a kid, you like it, but if you're, right. again, not, not a baby, you start picking apart these, like, plot hole. So the movie is it both succeeds and fails at the same time. Sure. It succeeds so hard at what it was trying to do that it fails in attracting anybody else who's not a child. Uh, one of my other Disney physics things was how can they hear each other in the helicopter at all? 
with the windows open. Helicopters. Are <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no way you could hear yourselves. There's think, a reason. Let alone hear the other people in that helicopter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we kind of get into our miscellaneous. My one real big miscellaneous note, except for a bunch of quotes from reviews, is that Jimmy Carter watched this movie in office on November 8th, 1978. I know this because there are people who have compiled lists from the notes that the Secret Service takes of what movies they watch. So I have Jimmy Carter, Nixon, Clinton, and Reagan's lists of movies that they watched. Oh so my god, I want to see what someday. Ronald Reagan I bet Reagan will send you the list. Because he was either so deep into his dementia that he was like watching movies from like the 50s that thought they just came out. Watching his own movies. Or or it was just like Red Dawn on repeat. <laughs> it was one yeah. of those two. It was either nothing but Singing in the Rain or, you know, Red Scorpion. And that's so, it. So everything else that we have for miscellaneous stuff is quotes. There are some great quotes from reviews from when this movie came out. Yeah. Tom Buckley of the New York Times said the cat from outer space is likely to keep the under 14s amused, at least if supplemented with plenty of popcorn. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. Another one was from Ian Nathan of Empire. I think this was an article written more recently. Clearly not a Disney classic, as almost no one has heard of it. This is a vaguely enjoyable 70s hokum. I think the phrase vaguely enjoyable sums up this movie better than anything we could say. Yeah, that's I think vaguely enjoyable hokum really sums it up. Well, I don't, I don't know what hokum means, but I do like the phrase just vaguely enjoyable. Because it's like, <laughs> I remember just being really, really bored watching this like nothing why did you want us to do it for the podcast then yeah why did you make us do this look the shrouds of time cloud one's judgment okay like i remember it being (laughs) like a fun children's like you just said you remember being boring make up your mind will that's it vaguely enjoyable so i just googled the movie and came up with a review from cinemacats.com which also is a website that exists so it says zunar-j-5 slash 9 doric-4-7 aka jake was reportedly played by two abyssinian cats a male and a female there is also a white persian cat which played the part of lucy bell liz's cat and jake's love jake's love interest he's a cat the film was undoubtedly an attempt to cash in on the space theme mega hits of the time like star wars close encounters of the third kind while jake is a pleasure to watch the special effects leave a lot to be desired with the wires showing clearly on both jake's collar when it glows and on the actors when they are levitating not to mention the obviously stuffed cats using the parts in parts of the plane sequences there is also a scene where Jake is accidentally sedated, and one questions whether or not this was done to the actual cat actor for the subsequent scenes in which he remains asleep when he was carried around. Sadly, the overall film falls short of the usual Disney of the usual classic Disney standards, particularly with the lack of any notable musical scores. Cinemacats.com for all your cinematic feline needs. I love that they refer to him as a cat actor. A cactor. A cactor. Um, also, I had meant to make a note about songs, but I literally started to think about it and come up with no music There's that nothing. I heard from this movie. No, I don't know. I got nothing. Okay, so my last note is that there's a fan theory on the internet that this movie is in the same universe as Captain Marvel because of Goose. I like it. Sure. Yeah. The magical cats. Connor also pointed out that the cat from Men in Black has a magical collar, so therefore oh, is also yeah. oh, Orion. So everything is connected, everything is part of the Marvel Universe is basically what we're trying to say here. That's all I got. I got nothing else in this movie. What else so, do we have? Yeah, Adaptations, um, there was a comic book, and the book I told you about. I have to see this comic book. If I, if anybody can find... You know, I actually did find a copy of it. I'll see if I... And I don't even think it was expensive. I didn't order it because I only found it on, like, Sunday. I'll see if I can find it for you. So yeah, that was uh, that was the cat from outer space, a vaguely oh, enjoyable it. hokum yeah. that happened. That happens. It is a thing that happens. Anything else? No. Final thoughts. This movie was not good. What do you rate it? I would give it two out of five paws. 
Well, that's interesting because I would give it a 3.5 out of 7 uh, adorable cat faces. I think I'm going to have to go with like 4 out of 10 cans of tuna. Ooh, controversial. I liked it more when I watched it with my 11-year-old. Thinking back on it now to the next day, it's just getting worse in my head every time I think about it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So what did you think of the cat from outer space? I liked it. I like cats, so it was really fun. It felt like Star Wars. It felt like Star Wars? It almost felt like Star Wars. Interesting. Except less lightsaber and Jedi and more just cats and weird things and UFOs. It's like Star Wars cats mixed with E.T. Star Wars cats. You know, they did have that E.T. moment when he goes over the fence. Yeah, Star Wars E.T. I like it. Star Wars cats E.T. I'm sorry, Star Wars cats (laughs) E.T. Was there anything that you didn't like about it? I mean, I feel like bad guy could have thought, wait, if the caller makes them freeze for 20 minutes and then they forget about it, because that's what happened with the guard and the dog, Yeah. then the girl would have forgotten about it and wouldn't have told the police. Oh, interesting take, yeah. That would have made more sense to me. Yeah. What was your favorite part? I think the pool scenes. The pool scene is pretty great. I don't know why. It was just really funny. The way they're just like, huh? Yeah. It was. It was a fun one. So what would you rate this movie? Five out of five cats. Solid. Thank you for doing my podcast with me. (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome. It was easier than it sounded, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our episode about the cat from outer space with our special guest. Uh, What's your name? Will. Will. Who are you? What are you doing in this apartment? If we wildly fuck something up, please let us know. If you just disagree with us, I guess you can also let us know that. But, eh. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and other social media things at WTPAPod. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Or don't. Whatever. Bye, assholes. Bye. Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. Please. Cover your coughs. This is actually great. This is really good soft banter before the episode starts. Do you think I don't know that? Have you listened to our podcast at all? I always have soft banter at the beginning of our podcast. (laughs) Shut up. You listen to it. I lied.